Good morning. My name is Michael McCusker. It seems apparent that the old venal prejudices American society has slowly and quite often agonizingly overcome are brutally and murderously reappearing. In particular, rabid racism and savage anti-gay humiliation and homicide. Today, December 1st, is International AIDS Day, which I commemorate with something I wrote for the North Coast Times Eagle and quite often read on this program for this particular memorial of death, disease, and prejudice. Petition of Prejudice. Homophobia, like alcoholism, is a disease, a psychotic obsession to enforce a mythical moral and sexual purity through ostracism, oppression, and violence to the point of murder and genocide. Gay men and lesbians, however they might be called in succeeding eras or separate cultures, are as historical a part of humanity as heterosexuality. Humanity is probably of a bisexual inclination, able to find its pleasure with either or both sexes. Many early cultures were not disturbed by the sexual preferences of their citizens, so long as each generation replicated itself in adequate populations to continue the tribe or society. Other early societies developed traditions of severe sexual conditioning, however, which spread pervasively more by sword and fire than by reason or logic. Sexual tolerance in most areas of the world was supplanted by rigid definitions of acceptable sexual practices, which were exclusively heterosexual. Religion is, of course, a doctrinaire force in matters of sexual subversion. The oppressive arbiter of public morality, rapidly averse to homosexuality. Christianity in medieval times burned homosexuals by the hundreds of thousands, buried at the bottoms of stakes among the faggots of wood that would ignite heretics and women accused of witchcraft, which is the origin of the term faggot to describe gay men. Homosexuals have long been forced to lead shadow lives, and much to the contrary of popular fear, it is they who are preyed upon, who have for centuries been open game for anyone to ostracize or harm. Coming out of the closet most likely has meant dropping into a casket. While heterosexual debauch has generally been tolerated among successful armies and in aristocratic practices of incest and rape of peasant girls, homosexuality has been shunned and homosexuals hunted, tortured, and executed. Gay bashing is old. AIDS is relatively new. While thousands of young men died of the epidemic, ecclesiastical homophobes declared their deaths as punishment for offending God with their unnatural acts. The death toll over the past 40 years has been staggering. These lines from a poem by George Meredith 
provide a collective epitaph. And we go, and we drop like the fruits of the tree, even we, even so. The virulent prejudice of a conservative government felt little or no concern for AIDS until heterosexuals started falling like the fruits. The government's willful apathy during the Reagan-Bush years could be likened to genocide in a different form than gas chambers in death camps. The attitude was to let the gays die, and the medical profession, though it has acted heroically in its fight against AIDS, initially balked and disgraced the Hippocratic Oath. Children with AIDS were dismissed from schools and neighbors pressed their families to leave town. A part of the reluctance to marshal Red Cross-type epidemic relief during the 1980s was not only a demonstration of prevalent public revulsion for homosexuality, but also a barely concealed gloating that the immense strides made by gay liberation in the previous decades were literally being wiped out by the death toll among its strongest adherents. AIDS at first promised to be a sort of final solution to the rise of gay influence in the United States. Only when white heterosexuals from the burbs began to contract AIDS did the government belatedly creak into action. Though AIDS has taken a staggering toll among the male gay community, which is in aggregate as promiscuous among its members as other men are with women, Unless among lesbians, it has failed as a final solution to eradicate their determination to be as free and equal citizens as their tormentors. So ancient methods of exclusion and repression are once more revived to inculcate fear and revulsion in both gays and straights to intensify their mutual antipathy and to ultimately pacify the public to the process of eliminating homosexuals, both legally and extra-legally. A Portland white supremacist who represented an organization he described as the moderate force of fascism told a newspaper a few years ago that homosexuals, quote, will either be corrected by Skinnerism behavior modification or it's the bullet. The Oregon Citizens Alliance was formed to disenfranchise gay men and lesbians in Oregon, to strip them of all rights as citizens and as human beings entitled to the most basic protections of democracy. The process chosen by OCA in alliance with the so-called Christian Coalition was the initiative petition, which gives the public the opportunity to oust crooked politicians or change bad laws, but which can also be an instrument of discrimination against troublesome or dissatisfied minorities. In the 2000 election, the attempt was to eliminate any support or positive mention of sexual minorities, and that's a quote, in public schools. Titled the Student Protection Act, this initiative called for banning public school instruction, encouraging, promoting, and sanctioning homosexual, bisexual behaviors, as well as making the contradictory assertion that teaching about sexual orientation 
is divisive to society. Previous OCA-sponsored statewide initiatives attempted to amend the Oregon Constitution to declare homosexuality, quote, abnormal and unnatural, unquote, and required state and local governments to not, quote, promote, condone, encourage, or facilitate abnormal behavior, unquote. OCA spokespersons denied they were setting up gays for extra-legal persecution, yet claimed homosexuality defiles the eyes of God and threatens children who are, they said, exposed to perversion as long as gays dwell openly in society. They declared their petition was for child protection and said homosexuals should not be given special privileges or be protected by laws. In 2000, the OCA dropped some of the earlier controversial provisions from its original ballot measure of 1992 that lumped bestiality, sadomasochism, pedophilia, and incest with homosexuality, which Damon Edwards, co-founder of the Classic County AIDS Coalition, wrote in an article that appeared in the August 1991 North Coast Times Eagle, Stop the Witch Hunt, cunningly lumped homosexuality in the middle of all these activities, quote, unquote. Edwards asked, do they, OCA, really think homosexuals belong in this group? Don't they realize there are straight people out there who partake in these activities every day? And don't they know the vast majority of gay people think these actions are just as disgusting? What the OCA won't tell you, Edwards wrote, is that the vast majority of child molesters and rapists are heterosexual, not homosexual. The OCA, he said, seemed to think that a heterosexual molester is somehow not as evil or perverted as a gay one. Tell it to the thousands of little girls who are ravaged and raped by heterosexuals each year, he wrote. The Oregon Citizens Alliance was started in 1987 as a backlash against Governor Neil Goldschmidt's order that state workers who were gay should enjoy the same protections and rights of all citizens. OCA claimed gays were a special interest group being accorded privileges greater than the rest of the citizenry. And although the simple justice of the governor's position should have been evident, enough people accepted the patent absurdity and fear-mongering of OCA to defeat Goldschmidt's reform. Within two months, the OCA gathered nearly double the signatures needed to get their anti-gay initiative on the 1988 state ballot. The measure successfully rescinded the governor's executive order that banned discrimination based on sexual preference in public employment, but was struck down by the Oregon Supreme Court in 1993. The OCA was immersed in many other ultra-conservative issues besides its assault on gays. In 1987, it opposed legislation for pre-kindergarten programs on the grounds that they were anti-family. OCA opposed parental leave, which they claimed was anti-business, and fought state divestment from South Africa. 
Some other OCA activities included organizing the Home Front Coalition in support of the Persian Gulf War, involvement with right-wing women's groups that attempted to undermine the feminist movement, support of prayer in public schools, and the OCA rapidly attacked the reproductive rights movement. The OCA mounted several local anti-gay campaigns in cities and counties in Oregon, though the state Supreme Court ruled them unconstitutional and discriminatory. In 1992, the OCA's infamous Abnormal Behaviors Initiative, then Measure 9, was defeated in Oregon, though a Colorado version passed and was subsequently ruled unconstitutional. The OCA publicly backed off from its bestiality stance in 1994 in hopes of attracting moderate bigots to its rank and file of radical homophobes who were not enough in numbers to swing the 1992 vote. Despite toning down the measure, 13, it was decisively defeated. OCA attempts to grassroots their prejudice at local levels were collectively known as Son of Nine. Despite its losses, court reversals, and rejection by mainstream politicians, the OCA remained a dangerous spoiler not only to moderate Republicans and liberal Democrats, but especially to gays and lesbians who openly struggled for a generation to overcome prejudice and be allowed to at least live in peace. The OCA believed it could remove a subculture its homophobic members detested through sanctioned government suppression with support of a majority of the citizenry, perhaps initially more subtle than Adolf Hitler's attempt to exterminate a large menu of society's misfits, which is a quote, most prominently the children of Judah and including homosexuals. Yet parallels are relevant and possible. Hitler began his suppression of German Jewry by first isolating them as an undesirable subgroup, then by ordinances forbidding them this or that, until sure of his power and the success of his campaign of ostracism, he stripped Jews of citizenship and declared open violence on them. The OCA demanded homosexuals not receive special rights, but Damon Edwards asked, when did equality become a special right for Americans? We live in a country that gives men medals for killing other men in war, yet shun them for loving one in a time of peace. And that was Damon Edwards. The right of the people to live in a manner of their own choice is a crucial tenet of democracy and of constitutional law. We don't have to like or even approve of our neighbors, but neither we nor they have the right to trample upon or deny the individual rights and liberties of each other, which also protects virulent anti-gay organizations such as the OCA that attempt to use the law to undermine all it stands for. The cold, hard fact of the matter is that OCA does not like the power and influence that gay groups wield in this state, Damon Edwards wrote. They just do not like the fact that pro-homosexuals are in power in high places across Oregon. The OCA was a direct heir 
to the claverns of the Ku Klux Klan that were greatly popular in Oregon during the 1920s. Homosexuals were deep in the closet and escaped most of the KKK's wrath. This was focused on Jews, Catholics, and aliens with little activity against blacks because they were fewer in Oregon than furtive or fugitive gays. The Klan's political clout, a governor was under the sheets with them, was instrumental in passing a bill which prohibited Chinese and Japanese immigrants from owning land in the state. The 1920s Klan provides an example of modern people wrestling with the complex dilemmas of social change. David Horowitz, history professor emeritus at Portland State University, wrote for the July 1986 Times Eagle. Oregon Klansmen seem to be defending religious loyalties, national patriotism, and traditional morality from the threat of a newly emerging mass culture. At the heart of their anguish was an increasing sense of powerlessness before impersonal events and circumstances. Horowitz provides a solid insight into the bitter motives of the OCA and its anti-gay allies. They meant to strike with the fury of their frustrations as weapons against a traditional target, which they have been taught to revile since childhood. Even the loathsome term queer is in a sense comparable with the KKK's antipathy toward kikes, niggers, and outsiders, though with more inbred revulsion. A cartoon a few years ago commented on an earlier controversy about homosexuals teaching in schools. The cartoon shows a child staring at Leonardo da Vinci, Socrates, and Plato, who sit on a park bench reading newspaper want ads. This might well be an imminent portrait of the loss of remarkable minds and talents the OCA demanded be removed from open society and revoked of their rights as citizens. AIDS has deficited much of the nation's cultural treasury by killing many of its most gifted writers, actors, dancers, musicians, and artists. And we must also remember Oregon's Bill of Rights which says that no law shall be passed granting to any citizen or class of citizens privileges or immunities which upon the same terms shall not belong to all citizens, quote, unquote. Stated thus, it was the OCA that was petitioning for special rights, the right to discriminate against other citizens, which it lost in three elections, and resulted in the OCA's relative dormancy sense. Yet no one should be surprised if a resurgent or mutant OCA reappears. Sacrificial genocide has never resolved the crises and upheavals of history. Adolf Hitler aroused the passions of war-defeated Germany after World War I with myths of superiority and hatred of Jews. The OCA raised the swastika of persecution of homosexuals, attempting to implement ethnic cleansing through popular vote. The late Arthur Honeyman, former spastic extraordinaire, once said, I espouse the concept of human brotherhood, 
though I fear too much of it might lead to fascism as it did in Europe in the 1930s. And now, something else I have written, Mapping History, or Atlas Ugged. In the prospect that listeners to this program were unable to decipher what was being said last week due to a technological glitch, it was more or less a distillation of the European devastation of Native American culture for half a millennia following discovery of the Western Hemisphere by nautical explorers from essentially competitive nations. I claim that the First True World War just might be the European invasion of the Western Hemisphere and its nearly half a million decimation of native cultures. The indigenous wars of three centuries compares with the genocidal anti-Semitism of the Nazis nearly a century ago. Foreign European pilgrims escaping religious or political intolerance subsequently imposed racial inquisition almost immediately against the original inhabitants they regarded as filthy savages, who were, of course, savagely disinherited from their native lands. The first peoples continued to be regarded as a negligible minority population in American society, perpetual losers in King of the Hill genetic sweepstakes. If listeners possess any sort of historical atlas, you might wish to spend a while literally brainwalking through humanity's compulsive mapping its own concourse through its history on this increasingly frail and subjected planet. 17th century Dutch philosopher Benedict Spinoza suggested sagely, if you want to be different from the past, study the past. And that's a quote. World history atlases are great for aimlessly wandering through various periods of human passage upon the planet, as though through a paper portal. For instance, a synopsis of colonial America, which capsulizes three centuries into patterns of European movement across North and South America, their expansion and wars, the ultimate defeats of all but the Spanish and English, who might have clashed if they had not, in their own terms, been removed from political control by rebellious uprisings of their colonies. The last wars between their successors was with Mexico, which was the most northern of Spanish expansion, started by the infant United States in 1846, although the short bitter fight for English-speaking exodus into the Southern Hemisphere for Texas in 1836 was its prelude and terminated both migrations. The 1898 war of the ascendant USA against decrepit Spain, which had ruled all of South America for nearly three centuries until its colonies rebelled, leaving the mother country only a few Caribbean islands, fell victim to Uncle Sam's manifest destiny, virtually terminating Europe's direct hegemony in the Western Hemisphere and making the USA the big dog.
turn a few pages of a historical atlas and the great indigenous empires of Africa can be traced of great black civilizations from antiquity along the green Sudan fringe of the Sahara Desert and the Niger River and along the southwestern coasts, such as the brilliant Congo state within the Congo River Basin. Empires of the Fula, the Mandingo, the Ashanti, and Kangasi, the Hausa, and the aforementioned Congo state. And the ancient glorious cities such as Timbuktu, the ancient stone city of Zimbabwe, and also the rapid expansion of Islam into southern Africa. The European sweep into Africa started with the Portuguese in the 15th century, just before Spain defeated the final Moorish stronghold of Granada and began its long colonial surge across the world. The slave trade of African blacks was initiated by the Portuguese and practiced by all of the European colonial powers until the 19th century. An unanticipated history of uprooted peoples who originated in India and have since spread all over the world, primarily as unwanted aliens, were the gypsies. Non-historical bands of dancers, singers, and fortune tellers who have been disparaged and persecuted nearly everywhere they vagabond. Yet, they possess philosophies of freedom and hearty living, lovers of the earth and wanderers like human ancestors of the earliest ages. The world thought it had seen the last gypsy a century ago. Former KMUN programmer Connie Kimball quoted an anonymous source for a program she produced and hosted about gypsy lore a few years ago. More than half a century ago in the USA, during the frenetic decade of the 1960s, young, mostly white, and affluent young Americans were drawn together through their mutual antipathy for the Vietnam War, also inspired by black civil rights activists and later by such black power groups as Black Panthers, attempted to structure a youth culture loosely resembling Gypsy Creed and animistic socialism. They paradoxically attempted to bond static social control with both socialism and a primitive tribal aptitude of nearly boundless individual freedom. Aside from what proved to be extremely contradictory principles of ethics and behavior, the youth rebellion essentially collapsed because its adherents were ultimately unable to resist the luxuries of their capitalistic civilization, and most abandoned their communal politics, although their brief atavistic flirtation left permanent sympathies for the idea of humane governance as an alternative to political savagery. The use of maps is an especially illuminating method to track history. Perhaps a perceptive atlas of how Earth and human civilization might be affected by nuclear holocaust might be worthy of thoughtful consideration, or the stages of climate change upon human civilization and its future. And how about a historical atlas 
devoted to the evolution of women. This is Michael McCusker. Dylan Hauser-Schalk is this program's engineer. A week from today, the day after Pearl Harbor, is the centennial of the Great Astoria Fire of 1922. Stay tuned. There are plagues, and there are plagues. One is of physical disease, another is of mental disease. Specifically, the sickness of prejudice and hate. We currently live, and some die, among both forms. The word live, spelled backwards, is evil, and vice versa, so to speak. A new buzzword has been loosened upon the land, angertainment. We are hearing a lot of it lately.